uh, kind of had a slight uh, wardrobe malfunction this morning. I, uh, it, it, let's just put it this way, it's good to see you and I'm glad that you didn't get to see too much of me. I uh, was in the back and uh, Luke was helping me get this uh, microphone hooked in and and everything else, and uh, he said, you're going to have to tuck your shirt back in. I went in the restroom, tucked everything in, and I want to know why nobody on the praise team told me that my fly was down as I was standing up there, and uh, during that last song, I realized, oh my goodness, so uh, <laughs> praise God. You ever have God save you like that? I mean, I know he saved you, but I mean save you like that, you know, you're like, that would have been really bad. Who is this clown we got up there? I did have a jacket and a tie on. I came in. Everybody was casual, so I took those off. I feel a lot better without that stuff. My wife was saying to me this morning, like, are you nervous about preaching? You? I said, I'm not really sure. She's never getting nervous. I said, well, you know, I'm this, church isn't my thing. Now, I didn't mean like that. You know, it sounds, church isn't your thing. No, I meant like preaching at church. I'm so much more comfortable in a, in a high school, back in the science lab, preaching for first priority or you know, on a, on a school campus or doing youth group, you know, I feel like I can uh, just kind of let go a little bit. And I, sometimes I get to church and it's like, man, I got to have the tie on and now I'm choking to death. And, you know, I got the suit on and I can't really move going. I'm getting hot. So I saw Luke and he said, you can take that off. I said, amen, brother. So somebody's mad that I'm not wearing a suit. Fire Luke. Uh, it wasn't my fault. I just didn't, didn't even think about that. Talking about suits, I was at a wedding, and uh, this happened to me just a few weeks ago. I was at this wedding out of town for a guy that played for the Marlins, and he wanted me to be part of the wedding. So I'm up there. I'm going to do part of the wedding and uh, rehearsal dinners that night. I got, you know, I got one main suit uh, that I'm going to wear. I'm going to wear it Friday night. I'm not going to let it get wrinkled or anything like that. I'm going to wear it again Saturday to the wedding. So Friday night, you know, Wendy and I, we fly up there to Atlanta, and we're kind of in a hurry, and I go to get ready on Friday night. And uh, I get the suit out from the cleaners, and they got my son's pants on the uh, suit hanger. And Josh is back there. I mean, he's growing, but I'm not going to fit in those pants. Size 30 waist. I'm not going to tell you what mine is. But anyways, I got one leg in, okay? And I'm like, this is not happening. And uh, so thank the Lord I had another pair of pants. You know, it kind of looked a little disheveled for the rehearsal dinner, but I'm like, how am I going to figure this out for the wedding tomorrow night? i got to be up there in front of 200 people. And so I'm looking around. I'm kind of thinking, who here is in the wedding party that's the same size as me? Because they'll be wearing a tux tomorrow night, and I can borrow their suit. So, you know, I'm kind of standing by people. I'm looking at them. It was the groom. I went up to the groom. I said, buddy, I need that suit. Try not to get it dirty tonight. He goes, what are you talking about? I said, you're the only guy in here that's the same size as me that I'm going to have to borrow that suit for tomorrow night because they messed up my suit at the cleaners and put my son's pants in there. But anyways, I'm here today. I'm doing all right, right? But uh, it is good to be here. And uh, I'm so thankful for this church. Uh, I know celebrating 50 years. Uh, It was uh, not too many years ago when it was Pompano Baptist Temple. All right, it was. And uh, I got saved through the ministry of that church right across the parking lot, I remember, Going forward, I, w- I had put, you know, given my life to Christ. Reg Cook uh, led me to the Lord, and, uh, and, and I came forward to make that decision public at the Pompano Baptist Temple. And I uh, told Pastor Rogers, I know he's going to be here in a few weeks, uh, you know, that I had gotten saved and, uh, you know, wanted to follow the Lord and make that public. So what a great uh, outreach and what a great testimony this church has been over the years. And then 
like Steve said, I went to uh, Highlands Christian and got a great opportunity to grow and be discipled by so many of you guys. I think of Mr. Lopez and so many people and teachers over the years that impacted my life and then able to come back over the years speaking at chapels and being involved sometimes in youth ministry here and speaking there to students. Just what a great opportunity. So I'm excited for you guys on that 50th anniversary, trying to be here. It's also the first Sunday for the Marlins. I also not only do first priority, which I'll fill you in on, but I'm the chaplain for the Marlins. So that's our first Sunday of spring training. I may be in and out of here, coming late or leaving early or something like that, but we're going to do our best to be here for that 50th. First priority. Let me give you a, a, a real update on that. Thank you, first of all, for praying for first priority, for supporting first priority as a church. Uh, we have just come off December 2012, one of the most incredible months of our ministry that we've ever had. And we pray that it just gets better and God continues to do things like this. But in the month of December, we had um, 844 students put their faith in Christ. 844 students. I'll tell you what's cool about that is uh, we distributed close to 5,000 Christmas uh, kind of centered New Testament Bibles on public school campuses, New Testaments. And uh, all that came together with us uh, ordering 740 pizzas. So there's a lot going on in the month of December for First Priority. If you're not really sure what that's about, we've got a, we're going to have a booth in the back. Fred Ravel, who's over here, you guys know Fred, his son is... Uh, Head football coach here at Highlands. Fred's been involved with me, uh, first priority since the beginning. He went away for one year. We like to say he got outside of God's will. Then he came back, uh, and we got him back here. But he's been with me since, uh, you know, since the very beginnings of first priority. He's going to be at the booth in the back. And we've got a brochure. We'd love for you to pick it, pick it up. But I want to tell you this. We only have one brochure in our ministry. Not, not just one copy. We have a lot of copies, but it's only one brochure. And, and it tells a little about the ministry, but it also tells how you can get involved and how you can give. And, and we're not, we don't want you to feel like you're, we're trying to make people give to the ministry, although that'd be great. But we, we just want you to know that's our brochure, and it's got how you can pray for us, how you can give. Even if you can't give, we want you to know about the ministry and want you to pray for us. So pick one of those up on the way back. But what we do on campus is we connect Christian students, and I know Caitlin's here today. She's out at Coral Springs High School. Caitlin Alexander, one of our student leaders there. Maybe some other students are involved, but we connect Christian students on public school campuses. Kids that go to churches like this that go to public schools, we get them connected with other kids on their campus that are Christians, like-minded, and they form a first-priority club. They meet either uh, before school, during lunch, or after school, non-curriculum hours. And we developed a strategy over the years to help those students stay on focus to be a, a, a great commission club where they're going to reach their friends, pray for their friends, and invite their friends to hear a gospel presentation so that those students have the opportunity to, to come to Christ. When they come to Christ, we give them a New Testament. We get their information through a spiritual birth certificate. And then we want those students to get plugged into and get actively involved into a local church much like this. So when we're on 145 campuses from... South Dade to Fort Pierce, Florida. Uh, God has just opened the doors. We're halfway there. Our goal in 2016 is to be on 300 campuses. So we're excited about that vision. We know it's a big thing. We know that uh, God is a bigger God, though, and we're excited about all the power that he can bring forth to help us accomplish that mission of being on 
300 campuses here in South Florida. We have 12 people on our staff. You guys are familiar with one of them, Dave Geyer. I don't know where Dave is. He better be in here. We're going to fire him. He's in the back back there. But Dave, uh, Dave has a lot to do with uh, a lot of number crunching in the office, a lot of behind-the-scenes work. When we get 744 pizzas and 800-plus people getting saved and close to 5,000 Bibles distributed, we want to know where they're going and who's getting them and that we're on track. And Dave does a lot of that stuff with us behind the scenes. So we're thankful for grace in so many ways. And when those 844 students come to Christ and we distribute God's word to that many students, you're a part of that. You are our partners. That, that victory goes to you guys too because you give and the church supports us. You see what I'm saying? So rejoice in knowing that you are being used in a mighty way and this church is supporting a ministry in this community that's changing lives. Amen? Amen. Uh, so that's a little bit about what's happening. My family's here just to give you an update on that. Wendy's in the back. Uh, two of the guys are here. Two of them went out, but it's great to have them here. My parents are here. I, I see my sister. I see some People that were actually Luke and a couple other people here, Heidi, Deborah, my sister, that were actually in my youth group when I was a youth pastor. So it's great to see them, uh, you know, coming up here. Anything that Luke does good, give me some credit for that. Anything he does bad, I got no idea where he got that from. So, but listen, it is good. If you have your Bibles, I want to kind of get you in this attention here. I want you to turn to these passages or write these down. If you got your phone or you keep your Bible on, your iPad, whatever you use, dial these in. The scripture we're going to look at today is uh, just a couple that I'll share with you. We'll probably go some other directions. But the first one is uh, Luke chapter 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and Hebrews chapter 12. That's Luke 10 will be our main text. We'll go to 2 Corinthians 6 and also Hebrews 12. Let me turn over to 1 Corinthians 3 a little bit, a little Ephesians 6. We'll probably go everywhere. Uh, maybe some more stuff will come to me. That's what happens when you're in youth ministry. Stuff comes to you while you're up here, and uh, that goes down. I like to be prepared, though. I really do, and I'm reminded of this because I want you to be assured that, oh, this guy's not just giving us some old message that he's already preached, you know. And uh, we're getting some retread. I was reminded of this story about this guy who was a world-renowned scientist, and he went around and he gave these speeches. And he just gave the same speech everywhere, but he was so famous, everybody had to come. He got $10,000 per speech. Now, I don't know what the love offering is going to be today, but... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you ever heard that guy say, I got a whole lot of love, but not a lot of offering? But anyways, you know, here's the deal. The guy got all this big money to go give these speeches, and he had this guy that was his assistant. And this guy was, uh, you know, driving him around places, and the guy got a little disgruntled one day. Guy's in the back, and he's talking on the phone about everything, and he, Guy turns back and he says, you know, I could give that speech, you know, just better than you could probably. I listen to it all the time and you say the same thing. Guy says, well, you know, I mean, be honest with you, I'd like to have a night off. Why don't you give the speech? I'll give you the money. He goes, great idea. So the guy, they switch, uh, you know, the guy drives up and the, 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 the main guy that is the speaker is now driving and the driver assistant chauffeur guy is now in the back and they pull in and they kind of looked alike so they could pull it off. So the guy gets in and they, he's up there and they recognize him. They call him at the speech. He gives the speech, you know, perfect, word for word. People are going nuts, you know, this is awesome. So the guy sits down and the, the MC gets up and he says, hey, listen, man, we really appreciate you giving the speech, but we've got a little extra time, so we'd like for you to come up and answer some questions from the crowd. The guy says, oh, my goodness, I'm in trouble. So he gets, come on up. So he gets up there and somebody asks a question. He's got no idea what the answer is. And he says, let me tell you something. That question is so easy, I'm going to call my chauffeur to come up here and answer it. <laughs> so anyways, just want to let you know, this is 
Good stuff. New stuff today. God's word. We're going to dive in Luke chapter 10. Before we do, let's pray and ask God to bless our time together. Father, we love you today. And we're thankful and grateful for the opportunity that we have to meet inside these walls. What a privilege it is, Lord, to live in a country, to have the freedoms, to have the abilities, Lord, to have a relationship with you, to worship you publicly. We don't want to take that for granted, Lord, because we know right now across our world there's people that have walked on dusty roads and are meeting in fear by candlelight with maybe just a portion of the Bible. But, Lord, they'll worship you because they know you, Lord. They don't have these freedoms, but we do. Help us to be thankful and grateful, Lord, and never to forget this opportunity that's before us today to come in here and to worship your name, to sing songs worshiping you, to gather in your name for prayer, and now to study your word. We pray, God, that you'll bless our Bible study time now, that you'll bless our our study, and that you'll speak to our hearts. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to, to work, to move, to minister to us during this time. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to give you a little bit of a warning as I uh, come up here today. My notes, I'm able to write my notes and I can write them in a size that I'm able to read without glasses. But when it comes to reading the Bible, I don't want you to get freaked out when I have to put my glasses on to see exactly what's going on. So, uh, you know, it's kind of a new phase for me in life, getting these glasses. Some of you guys that know me will probably say, well, you're getting old. Well, that just means that you're getting even older. Because you knew me when I was 12 years old. So, you know, you see that and you see what's happening. But I want to share this with you today. I want to, the title of what we're going to talk about today is, Are You Dangerous or Are You Distracted? Are you dangerous or are you distracted? You can write that down. That's kind of the the, the, the sermon title today. And we're going to go through the scripture today and look at this. And I don't know if you ever find yourself saying things like this. If I could only do that over, if I only had the opportunity to go back, I know as my kids get older and I go through life and and, and, and it's such a fast pace, there's times where I look back and I go, "Ah, I wish I would have done that differently. I wish I would have maybe said that in a different way. I wish I would have, you know, we think that. We have regrets. We have things in life, although we have great intentions, and we all do, we get distracted. Things come along the path and we get distracted. It's as simple as, you know, I don't know what it's been for you lately, but maybe you're, you know, here, here's a simple one, an easy one. You're in, you're in your house and you realize that somebody's left the milk out on the counter. So you're going to go to the kitchen and put the milk back in the refrigerator. And on your way there, you see what? Everybody's got it at their house, a pile of papers, right? You got a pile of papers at your house? You got a couple of piles. You got those? Come on. Who's got a pile? You know what? I'm coming to your house today. I know you got a pile of papers. It's the bills and it's the mail and it's the stuff and it's the kids' work and it's the schedules. and You got a pile of papers. And some of that stuff is really important and it just gets piled on and piled. And you're going to put that milk away. You go, oh, my pile of papers. And you start working on the pile of papers, right? You get distracted from putting the milk. Three hours later, you realize, oh, I was doing something. I was on my mission to put that milk away. Doggone it. It's no good now. I mean, it's been sitting out for three or four hours. And, and you get distracted. Life, we get distracted. In, you know, and it's, sometimes it's good stuff, right? Sometimes it's things that need our attention, but we get distracted from what we were on mission to do. See, we must remain focused and disciplined to live a life that's on purpose for the Lord. I want, I want to look at this scripture 
in Luke today. I want to read this in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. The Bible says this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman, that was Bethany, the the village was Bethany, where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary. So Martha's home, her sister Mary's there. Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all of the work by myself? Tell her to help me. You hear a little resentment there? You hear a little frustration? Verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. And I will not be taken from her. You see the scripture here. We see that word distracted. You see that uh, Martha was distracted. It says that she was worried. Here comes Jesus. Okay. The author and perfecter of our faith. Okay. God in the flesh. The savior of the world. The Messiah, the word that became flesh, he comes to her house. You know, she says, hey, I know you guys are hungry. I know you're weary. I know you've been traveling. Come on in and and let me host you for a while. So there's Martha and she's getting lemonade ready. And I would hope it'd be if it was me, I'd want sweet tea. But, you know, sweet tea and lemonade and making stuff. I don't know what she's making. She's getting guacamole and cheese dip. And maybe, you know, maybe she's ordered some Chick-fil-A nuggets. That would be good. Probably not because it's Sunday today. But, you know, I know you're thinking about lunch. I am. But here's the deal. You know, she's getting things ready. She's working and doing dishes and cleaning the house and putting stuff out and doesn't realize what's going on. And Mary realizes this is an opportunity This is a necessity today. This is Jesus. I don't know if I'm going to have this opportunity. So I'm going to come at his feet. I'm going to listen to what he says. Because what he's got to say is truth. And it's it's necessary. And it's meat. And it's good for me. And it's stuff that I need. So she sits there and she listens. And Martha's just getting distracted by the stuff. By the dirty dishes. And by the chores. And by the things. And see... Mary realizes that this opportunity is the priority. This is where I'm going. This is what I'm going to hear. And this is what I'm going to do. And these other things will be taken care of later. Distractions. What is it in your life that's distracting you or drawing you, diverting you away from living this life of a fully devoted follower of Christ? What is it? I mean, all of us have distractions. Here's a few things. That, that distract us. And, and I kind of put these three categories together. And, and it may be specific things that fit into these categories for you. But these are kind of three general categories. First of all, number one is, is busyness. Now, for some people, that you can change that Y to an I. It's business. But that distracts us. Busyness. Martha was busy. You and me are busy. Let me share something with you. I'm a pretty busy person. I'm not going to, I'm not trying to get into a busy contest with you here, a competition on busyness. I'm a competitor, so I'll put it out there and see if anybody, no. But I've got four boys, okay? I counted this up. I counted this up the other day. We, we've got, we've got six different teams that our boys are on right now, six different teams. We got three basketballs. We got two baseballs. We got a football, okay? You understand what I've got there. 
Some of those practice every day. Some are several nights a week. Some, we got three of them that are in piano. Piano. They take piano. They're in music. We got one that's in a play at school. All right, that's 10 activities going on during the week. Okay? Not to mention, I'm involved in first priority. I'm the executive director. I'm the chaplain for the Marlins. Okay, you see what's going on here. It's getting ready to be busy season. I'm, I'm a busy person. Now, here's the deal. You say, oh, how can you preach on being busy when you're so busy? Good point. Okay, here's the deal, though. You talk, I look at that. You're always preaching these messages to yourself, and they're always tough. But here's the deal. You have to have, if you're busy, you have to have balance. And you've got to realize what is important and what are we doing and how are we going to balance these things so that we're not over busy and we're getting distracted from what God has called us to do and who he's called us to be. There's the distraction of being busy, busyness. There's the second distraction is the distraction of the world. See, sometimes we get distracted by the world and we allow the world to dictate our priorities and tell us what's important and, and where we ought to live and what we ought to do and how we ought to spend our money and how we ought to spend our time. And we let the world distract us. And we let the world tell us what's important. And the third thing is that distracts us in, in these categories, and there's more, but the third one that we want to talk about today is good things. Sometimes we let good things distract us. And let me tell you something. It wasn't bad that Martha wanted to prepare some food. It wasn't bad that she wanted to take care of the dishes. Now, I want, I want, you, I want to be careful because I know, you, you know, we talk about the dirty dishes. And maybe here today you're going, all right, I got a good one for my wife. Or I got, you know, maybe your husband's on you to do the dishes or whatever it is. And you're going, hey, you know, Pastor Chris Lane said we don't have to do the dishes. You got to, no, doing the dishes is a good thing. We've got to have it in the right order. We've got to have it in the right, what, what's, is there something more important right now? Because the dishes will be there later. Jesus was telling Martha, hey, listen, you can do good things, but are you doing eternally significant things? So are you distracted? Let me ask you these questions. When was the last time that you shared Christ with somebody? Who was the last person that you sat down and shared the gospel with? Who was, when was the last time that you took a good 30 minutes and you were in a room by yourself and you got on your knees and you prayed out loud to God? I'm, I'm busy. I, I don't have that. How, how can you do that? I mean, I don't have time to talk to my neighbors. I don't have time to spend... Are you using your time, your talent, your treasure to advance the kingdom? What ministries are you involved in? Who are you giving to and praying for and supporting and going out and meeting up with and encouraging along the way? Is the world dictating that for you? Are you busy doing good things in the world but not the God things? Have you had time to minister to those people that need you to minister to them? You know, there's people in our path. There's people that we have to, that God plants there that come along that we have to take time to, they're there for a reason. But we get busy and we let the world, you know, tell us what's important and we, we've got all these other good things going on. See, don't think that I'm saying that this provides our salvation. I understand that we're saved through faith and it's by the grace of God and his mercy only. But I also understand that these are the things that are pleasing to God. And, and these are clearly things that matter to him. And it will be obvious if we're distracted. See, a non-distracted life is, is one that is on purpose. And that's what I call a dangerous life. A dangerous life. So what's a dang, dangerous? That doesn't sound, no, a dangerous life is a good life. A dangerous for Christ's life. Let's just, let's just go over this for a second. What if? I thought this was pretty interesting. What, what if? And I'm not saying that this couldn't be 
the truth. But what if Satan has a list of people that he's concerned about? They're dangerous in his eyes. These are people that are up and they're in the word of God and they're prayer warriors and they're sharing their faith and they're looking for opportunities to minister and they're supporting ministries and they're helping missionaries and they're, they're doing these things that are furthering the gospel, the things that are important. They're not getting distracted. What if he had that list? Where would you rank on that list? Where would you be? I want to be on the top of that list. Now listen, let me tell you something. When you get on that list, when you, when you young people start living for Christ at school and you start standing for Him and you start, you know, praying for your friends and, you know, when somebody's uh, doing something that isn't acceptable unto the Lord and you call them out on that, that's going to be tough. That's not easy. See, when we start living for the Lord and we get in this dangerous, we're dangerous for Him because we're on mission and we're on focus and we're disciplined in our life with these disciplines of, of the Word and disciplines of prayer and disciplines of memorizing Scripture and, and, and spending time in the Word and soul winning and all those things. We're going to be on that list of dangerous Christians. Of dangerous Christians. A dangerous life. See, this is... The person that's living, knowing your call, living passionately for him, dangerous in the eyes of Satan. Now, what if you were Satan? And I know you're not. But what if you were Satan? How would you get people off of that list? Well, you'd distract them. You'd get them busy. You'd get them listening to the world. You'd get them overcome by the things of the world. And you'd get them distracted by that. And you'd get them involved in good things. And you'd get them right off that list. And you'd get them distracted from the things that God has called us to be about. And those are the things of eternal value. You see, Paul, the Apostle Paul, had a great scripture. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 right now. The Apostle Paul... Great passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 4 where Paul was very distracted and had a lot of distractions come his way. He didn't get distracted though. He had a lot of discouragement, a lot of doubt, a lot of fiery darts. He had to go through a lot of things to stay on mission, to stay on focus. And here's the deal. The fact that Paul stayed focused and stayed disciplined and didn't get distracted, listen to this, we're able to be here today because he was focused and he knew that I've got to get this word out and I've got to get these churches going because this is the plan. But look at this. He had to go through a lot in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 6, six uh, starting in verse 4. He says this. He says, rather as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. When I read this, I start reading it fast. I don't know why. It kind of gets me going. You know, it's like you go through this list, but I'll try to slow down. It says this in great endurances and troubles and hardships and distress and beatings, imprisonments and riots and hard work, sleepless nights, hunger and purity, understanding, patience and kindness and the Holy Spirit and sincere love and truthful speech and the power of God with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. Through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. 
Well, you read that, you got to kind of go through that again. He starts off and it's tough. And he goes, listen, man, we've been going through troubles, man, and hardships and distresses. And there was a lot of things that came along that they were trying to distract us. Listen, we've got to get focused. There's all kind of distractions and the discouragements and doubts in this world that Satan is shooting at us. We have to hold fast to Jesus, garner hope and stay in the course. Because here's the deal I want to share with you. Here's one truth and get this. This, this is not heaven. This is earth. These things are going to happen. People are going to get sick. People are going to die. Kids are going to rebel. Investments are going to go bad. Works, jobs are going to get lost. Things are going to happen. Right? Things happen. Bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. It's a sinful world that we live in. But he says, listen, I want you to turn back one page. I want you to look back to, uh, right back in Second Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians, just right there, the, the chapter 4, because here's what you have to understand. You, you look at that, and it's like, hey, listen, this is tough, man. The distractions are going to come. The discouragement's going to be there. I want to be this dangerous Christian. But look at this. Look at this in, in 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says, now, we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God. He says, listen, you have to remember that we're just passing through here. And this body, it groans and it's tough and it gets weak and it wears down. But this is not forever. This is temporary. He says, but, uh, he says, we have this building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will be not found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and we're burdened because we do not wish to be uh, unclothed but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that is what mortal may be swallowed up by life now it is god who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing us what is to come so listen when you come to christ you've got the holy spirit he ministers to you knowing that you've got this eternal home it says therefore we're always confident and know that as long as we're at home in the body we're away from the lord we live by faith not by sight we're confident i say and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal. Here's our goal to please him, to not get distracted, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. He says, listen, here's the deal. There's a judgment that's going to come for all believers. Yeah, there's the judgment, heaven and hell. Then there's that second judgment, the judgment of all believers. What have I done with what I was given? Now, let me tell you something. We've all, just for the simple fact that we're here today, we've all been given a lot. We've all been given a lot. More than we deserve. Okay, if you think that, you, if you think that you've built yourself and you think that you've, you deserve what you have, be really careful. Humble yourself. It's from God. Okay, it's by the grace of God. It's because of his mercies and that he has given you what you have. So we're going to be judged. The Bible says, listen, and if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you want to flip back there, look back at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 for a second. He goes through there and he talks in, um, look at verse 10. 
says, by the grace God has given me, I've laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should be careful how he builds. For one cannot lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day, that second judgment, will be bring it to the light and be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Listen, you can't get distracted from that. You have to stay focused knowing that we're here for an eternal purpose. We're here for an eternal purpose. We're going to have to give an account for what we've been given and what we did for what we've been given. And the world's trying to distract us. Let's look at this. You want to be a dangerous Christian? Here's, here, here's where we kind of get the application for this. Because I, I hope you go, yeah, I want to be a dangerous Christian for Christ. I want, I want to, Satan to know that I'm on mission and I'm not getting distracted and I'm doing the Lord's work. Here's, here's three things. Okay, we talked about busyness. The first one is don't get too busy for the Bible. Yeah, that's pretty simple. Write that down. Don't get, if you want to stay focused, if you want to be dangerous, then don't get too busy for the Bible. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 12, talks about putting on the full armor of God. In verse 14, it talks about what? Putting on the belt of truth, God's word, being girded up in his word every day. The very elementary, the very first thing that we need to remember in order to not get distracted and to live on mission and on purpose for Christ and to be this dangerous Christian is we can't get too busy for the Bible. I mean, Pastor Steve stood up here and he said, who made New Year's resolutions? And I'm sure a lot of people, maybe over your lifespan or maybe this past year, you said, I'm going to get what? I'm going to spend more time in God's word, right? That's what I'm going to do this year, man. I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going to stay up later. I'm going to spend time during lunch. I don't know when it is for you, but maybe that's you. That's a key. That is the starting point to not getting distracted. See, because when we're in God's word, we're reminded of the truth and the calling and, and what he has for us. And we're staying focused on that and we don't get distracted. Going to put the milk away. Oh, a pile of papers. Martha, hey, here's Jesus. He is... The word that became flesh. I got some dirty dishes over here. Working on the guacamole dip. I'm trying to get everything going. Mary, I can't believe you're just sitting there doing nothing. She's like, no, I'm doing the most important thing. I'm spending time with Jesus. Don't get too busy for the Bible. The second one is don't let the world direct your life, but let the word. Don't let the world direct your life. Let the word. See, it's really simple, especially in a place like South Florida, to let the world dictate your life. Because, man, people are doing this, and people got that, and people are driving this, and people are going there, and all of a sudden, you've got to kind of keep up. I've got to do that. They're doing it. They bought this. We've got to buy that. They went there. We've got to go there. We got... And it just happens. And you let the world dictate your life instead of the word. Write down these references, Proverbs chapter 3. You can read the whole thing, but can verse 5 and 6. You know, trusting in the Lord, letting him direct your path. and all your ways, acknowledging him. He'll direct your path. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, right? 
There's a pattern of the world and and it'll, it'll eat you up. And you have to recognize that. Sometimes you have to sit down with your spouse or with your family and you got to go, hey, listen, are we are we following the world here? Wait, why are we making this decision? Why would we buy that? Why would we go there? Because the world is telling us, what does God's word say? Well, let's go to that. And then the third thing is you have to exchange the good things for the God things. See, see, you can be busy and you can be caught up and doing the good things. Listen, man, doing the dishes that's a good thing. Getting Jesus and the disciples some food and making sure there's nothing wrong with hospitality. I mean, that's a great gift. That's a great thing. But at that moment, that was a distraction. And what happens? I, I mean, you start reading between the lines. You start digging a little deeper and you go, man, now Martha down there at the end of the uh, passage, she's starting to get bitter. She's getting all fired up in the kitchen. I can't believe she's out there. I'm doing all this work. Tell her, Jesus, to get busy. And, you know, he's like, hey, listen, you don't understand something. You don't understand something. There's, there's a couple things that are transferable from earth to heaven. And one of them is spending time with me, being in my word, spending time in God's word. What she's doing right now is going to transfer. That second judgment, it's going to last. You see what we're saying? He's sending forward some treasure here. Don't store up for yourself treasures here on earth, but in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. What's distracting you? What's holding you back? See, he says, listen, you got to exchange the good things for the God things. That's really the question. We, we answer that question all the time in the ministry of first priority. Because good things come along. Good things come along all the time. And I'll tell you something, if we got involved in the good things that come along, 844 students probably wouldn't have gotten saved in December. We probably wouldn't have given out close to 5,000 New Testament Christmas Bibles. We, we probably wouldn't have done it because we've gotten distracted on some things. Hey, there's a concert coming. Well, let's get involved in that concert. That's a cool thing. That's a good thing. It's a Christian concert. Hey, there's this other event going. Let's partner with these. No, all of a sudden, one of the things we do in first priority is we say no a lot. And sometimes people don't get it. And sometimes people get offended. And sometimes people don't understand. But we're on mission. And there's a focus. And our focus is to get the gospel to as many public school students as we can. See them get saved and get them plugged in church. That's it. And if it doesn't fall in there, we're not probably going to get involved. Because we're not just about doing good things. We're about doing God things. Same way with your family. And there's some good things going on. And there's great stuff happening. But if it's not God's thing, then it's not what you need to be doing. I'm going to get involved in this ministry. I'm going to get involved helping this missionary. I'm going to go serve over here. Yeah, I'm busy with that. But you know what? That's a good thing, but it's not a God thing. Sometimes we have to sit down. You know, it's interesting when, when uh, airline pilots and, and, and captains of these big ships in the ocean, sometimes they'll be on, on, uh, you know, on a journey and they'll get off course. And it can be just a slight, you know, degree here and there. But over thousands of miles or long distances, they can get way off course. And they call what they have to do course correction. They have to look down and go, wait, wait a second. Our coordinates are off. We're, we're supposed to be way over here and we're off. We've we got to have a course correction. And it may, it may have happened to you sometimes in your car. You're driving down the road and, you know, you, you've ha- you, know you look down at something and, or you, you, something gets your attention and you, you kind of veer off. You look up and you're like, oh, I'm off. And you've you got to correct back. 
Sometimes it's just slightly. Sometimes it's like, ah, you pull back and the car's going everywhere and everybody's, what happened? What happened? Oh, nothing. Deer ran out in the road. I'm okay. Course correction. You realize you're off the path. You realize you're not going in the right direction. You've gotten off. Sometimes it's like that in our lives. You sit there and you go, man, you know what? I, I never really meant to be going this way, but now look, I'm, I'm way off. And it could have been just a little bit here and there. Hey, just a little, just got in the habit of not getting up a little earlier and spending time in God's Word. You know, kind of letting the world seep in and overcome the Word in your life. And now you're kind of listening to some voice, maybe made some bad decisions or maybe whatever it is, but all of a sudden you realize, I need a course correction. For some people, it's just slight. Just got hey, to get everybody together in here. Got to have a little team meeting. Got to get back on track. For some people, it's, man, I got to really get back. And, it, and when I do that, man, this whole car is going to, this whole vehicle is going to go and everybody's going to wonder what's going on. And I just got to tell them, man, I fell asleep at the wheel and I was off in the ditch. But you know what? I woke up and I'm getting back on the road. I'm sorry about that. But hey, sometimes it's going to take that. See, sometimes it's going to take that. Last scripture I want to look at comes from Hebrews chapter 12. See, because those distractions in our life, sin is the greatest distraction. Satan tempts us and we succumb to that temptation and we give in. And next thing you know, we're away from God's will and we're not living a life that's pleasing to him and we've sinned. And Paul says, hey, listen, man, or the writer of Hebrews, he says, listen, therefore, since we are in Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, he says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us, the sin, the distractions that so easily entangle us. And let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Don't get distracted. Fix your, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider who, him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. He says, listen, the greatest example that we have is Jesus. He didn't get distracted, you know that? No. No. He never got distracted. He knew what his mission was all along. He knew that he was born for a purpose. That was to live a sinless life. At the end of that sinless, perfect life, he would die a cruel, undeserving death that he did not deserve. He would take your sin and my sin upon him. He would get beaten and they'd put a crown of thorns and he'd bleed and they'd stab him and they'd ridicule him and they'd gamble for his clothes and he lay there naked. I mean, he did all that because he was focused. Well, Satan tried to distract him. Look it up. We don't have time to go there. But look in Matthew when he talks about Jesus was off in the wilderness and he was fasting for 40 days and he came out of there and he was hungry, you know, because he was fully God, but he was fully man. So his flesh was hungry. And Satan said, hey, I've got some food for you. No, 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 you're a distraction. Hey, I want to give you everything. Come up here and look at this. No, 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 that's a distraction. That's a good thing, but it's not a God thing. That's what the world might want, but it's not what the Word has for me. And it's, and it's right there. 
See, I don't know what your distraction is or your distractions are, the sin that you struggle with. I know we all have them. Maybe today the biggest distraction in your life is, man, I just got to get right with the Lord. I got to give my life to Jesus. You know, I made that decision when I was 13 years old. I realized that I'd sinned and it'd separate me from God and I was going to spend eternity in hell, even though I was a good person. I wasn't God's person. And I needed to turn away from the sins and repent, put my faith and trust in Jesus, transfer that trust and receive salvation through Jesus Christ. Don't get distracted. Because you don't want to sit back one day. Remember we started off? You ever said, well, I wish I would have done that different. And I wish I could go back and change that. Those happen because we get distracted. We never mean for it to be. We have great intentions. We want to be the husband that God's called us to be. But we get distracted. We never really wanted to be like that towards our kids. We wanted to be a different kind of parent. and We get distracted. I wanted to be a different kind of employee at my job. I, I didn't want to be this. I, get, I got distracted. I got caught up. Are you distracted or are you dangerous? Dangerous for Christ. We're going to have a time of prayer in just a second and have an invitation. I think Larry's going to come and sing uh, for us, lead us in a song. And uh, here's the thing that I want you to know. In all the times I've spoken and all the people I've spoken to, I've never had this happen. I've never, ever had somebody come up to me and say to me, you know what, I wish I would have never given my life to Christ. I've never had that. Now, there could be somebody out there that feels that way. I don't know. I highly doubt it, but I've never had somebody come and go, that was the worst decision I've ever made. I can't believe it. I'm so mad. I've never had that. But you know what I have had? I've had a lot of people that have come to me and said, you know what? I wish that I would have done that a lot sooner. I wish that I would have given my life to Christ and I would have lived on mission and I would have been dangerous for Christ. I wish that I wouldn't have gotten so distracted. That's for everybody. It's really for you guys, though. Don't just, you know, put it off and wait and live for Christ now. Don't be 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road looking back going, man, I wish. I wish. Because when I talk to those people, I can see the sorrow, the regret in their eyes. I can hear it in their voice. They're bummed out because they realize that they missed out on so much that they could have done for Christ and experienced so much joy and so much purpose and so much, you know, more in their life. But they missed out because of that. Don't be that person. If you need to make a course correction... Make a course correction. Come and pray at the altar in a few minutes. When you go to lunch with your family, talk to them. When you get home tonight with your spouse, say, hey, man, I, you know what? I, gotta get, I need your help. I need, ask the Lord to help you with that. That's what he's there for. I love you guys. I, I share this because it's uh, very relevant in my own life, obviously. I'm very passionate about this, but it doesn't just happen. It's constant work. It's constant discipline to stay from getting distracted. Because I want to be on that list. 
I want to be dangerous for Christ. I want to be known as that guy's dangerous for Christ, man. He's, he's out there and he's witnessing the people and he's spending time on the word and he's praying for his family and he's fasting. All those things that we need to be doing. I want to be dangerous for Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, uh, we thank you for your word today, Father. We looked at a lot of scripture. We, we saw this example of Mary and Martha and how she, Martha got distracted. But Lord, we need to be like Mary, getting at your feet daily. Lord, we, we look at your scripture and we realize that Paul endured and went through so many hardships and distractions and things that would try to get him off course, but he stayed the course. We're thankful for that example. Lord, we want to be like that. We looked at the scripture that shared about there, there's a judgment for us as believers. Lord, what are, we gonna, what are we doing with what we've been given? Lord, help us to do more with the resources that you've given us and the talents and the message that you've put on our heart. Help us to be like that. And Lord, we looked at, we looked at your example in Hebrews. It said you fix, fix, we should fix our eyes on you, Lord, and not grow weary. And throw off those things, those, the sin and the distractions that hold us back. And Lord, we look at the example that you are, that you, you went to the cross for us. And that's why we have the opportunity today. Because you went for us. And we're thankful and we're grateful for that. And we ask, Lord, now that you will work in our own hearts. Because all of us here, Lord, all of us, if we're honest, we need a course correction. It might just be slight. For some, it may be a lot more radical. But Lord, we need to do that. We need to get on the right path. We need to get back on course because we're off course. And we're thankful and grateful for the power of the Holy Spirit that will help us do that. We're thankful and grateful for your love today, God, that you love us. Lord, even though we get off course, you love us back. And we're thankful for that. Lord, we pray for this time of invitation as we sing a song and we open the altar and we we say, if people want to come and pray or if people want to come and make a decision, Lord, that they would do that during this time. We ask, Lord, now that you have your will and your way. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.